Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On Friday, November 12th, there was a Dateline episode in the Daybell case, and there were some new revelations in the episode. In the beginning of the show, it opened up talking about when Lori met Chad at a Preparing the People event in St. George, Utah, back in October of 2018. And Nate Eaton and Eric Grossarth were on from East Idaho News, and Nate was talking about when Lori met Chad, and he said, It was an instant lust, an instant attraction, an instant I want you, and I'll do anything to have you. Interesting, as Nate Eaton was talking, because we saw Eric Grossarth <laughs> close his eyes. <laughs> so now I'm going to read out what happened on the episode. I know many of you don't get it. I know many of you from other countries definitely don't get it. So I was lucky enough to record it and watched it several times and transcribed some of it. So Charles Vallow's brothers were on, Jerry and Bobby, and they talked about how Charles would have done anything to make Lori happy. And Keith Morrison, of course, was on. He hosts the show and he narrated the whole thing. He talked about Lori passing her psychiatric assessment more than once. And Nate says this about Lori. She's very friendly. She's very personable. And it seems as if she used that charm to appear like she may, in some cases, be the victim. We did see that quite a bit, didn't we? And there was a little snippet from Colby. And it talked about how growing up, Lori always mentioned the end of the world like things won't matter as much because the end is coming. And a guy named Scott Mitchell who grew up with Chad talked about his character and said, I think Chad grew up very average. I think Chad found a way for himself to be something and I kind of liken it to Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump was a fictional character who was built around real events and you watch the movie and you go, was he really there? And Keith Morrison described Laurie and Chad as nitro and glycerin. And another childhood friend of Chad, his name is Paul Giles, he said, I think she was the 55 gallon drum of high octane aviation gas into Chad's life. Now we know Laurie was fascinated with Chad's books and his ideas of the second coming. And in October of 2018, that's when Lori met Chad. And Chad said he looked into Lori's eyes and saw a goddess. And Keith Morrison says, and I love this line, and by the end of that Genesis weekend, lust was in full flower. A love affair had begun, and like some demonic version of creation, a plan had begun to form. Complete with a helper, some came to call the angel of death, Lori's faithful brother, Alex Cox. Now, Alex had a friend named Jill, and she talked a little bit about Alex, and she said Lori had a hold over him, which we heard about this through several people. She said, Alex was the one, he's like, I'm in, I'm yours, what do you need? 
And Keith talked about how all the disciples joined Chad and Lori, meaning Zulema, Melanie, and others. Zulema said, I saw Lori and Chad as law-abiding, God-fearing people. And then it shot to Nate talking about Charles. And he says, Charles was in her way. And she wanted Charles out of the way because he was blocking the spiritual gifts. She was not able to accomplish the mission that she needed to do. Now, when Chad and Lori met, Chad told Lori that they were married to each other many times over many lives. And in my other video, if I can bring myself to read it, uh, <laughs> Chad wrote two chapters to Lori and it was quite spicy but not the good kind <laughs> anyway in this life Keith says Lori's greatest mission of all was to bring together the 144,000 of true believers for the second coming of Jesus and they had to all fight off evil spirits inhabiting people in their own families. And as we know, that's when the zombie talk came in and Ned Schneider inhabited Charles. Now, Dr. John Mathias and his wife Lauren were on the show as well. They're from the Hidden True Crime podcast. And Dr. John is a clinical psychologist for more than 25 years he has experience in, and Lauren is a journalist. And so they were talking throughout the video as well. And Dr. John says, I think labeling Charles as a zombie was probably the catalyst that set this whole plot in motion. And Lauren says he was Googling Ned Schneider six months before Charles's death. Who he is is still a mystery, but Chad was surely interested in him. Now we know that Charles was named a zombie, Tylee was named a zombie, so was Tammy, so was JJ, and we know all of these people died. And Dr. John was talking about the authorities and he said, I don't think they took that seriously. Meaning when Charles was, you know, going to the authorities and saying, help me, help my wife, she needs help, you know, she's acting crazy. And one of Charles's brothers said that Lori said that she was supernatural and could fly to different planets. When it comes to Charles, Lori, before Charles died, texted Alex. And in the text, she said, apparently it is tied to Ned being gone, hopefully today or tomorrow. And Alex says, have fun and get rid of Ned already. Then they talked about how Lori and Chad went to an LDS temple and they sealed themselves. And Chad wrote about this in story form. Like I said, I may do that video. But Keith asks, how would the LDS church look on an act like that? And Nate says, for a couple to come out and say we've self-sealed ourselves, you'd look at them like they were crazy. Well, if the shoe fits. Now, Adam Cox was also on, who is Lori and Alex's brother. And he said that after Chad entered Lori's life, that she talked about seeing Jesus in the temple and she had a higher priesthood than the rest of us, he says. And he said that was alarming to Adam and did not make sense to him. And Adam talked to Charles about an intervention for Lori. And Charles found out about the affair between Lori and Chad and confronted Lori about it. Charles told Tammy, which we heard he was going to do that in the past because of the coded note. And if you're unsure of what that is, I'll put that in the description box below. And so Tammy apparently confronted Chad 
and Chad was telling Lori and Charles that Adam was conspiring to kill her for insurance and money, or for insurance money. And we did hear that. Uh, Lori talked about that, about her brother trying to kill her for insurance money when the authorities knocked at the door at Lori's house looking for the kids or looking for JJ at the time at the welfare check. Remember, at this point, the kids were both gone, meaning deceased, and Lori uh, thought she'd be funny and, and say that JJ was watching Frozen 2. Now, on July 10th, the day before Charles Vallow died, Lori texted Alex. And she says, I'm going to need you to stay close to me the next couple of days. Thank you for standing by me. It's all coming to a head this week. So Alex went over and stayed at the house. And then we know that Charles Vallow was shot. Alex claimed self-defense. We know that's not true. And Charles texted Adam before he entered that house on the 11th. And he said, Alex is here because he saw Alex's truck. Adam said, that sounds weird. Why is he at Lori's? be on the lookout and Charles said absolutely and in another document I saw that Adam actually said to him well that's weird why didn't he answer my phone because apparently Adam phoned Alex and he didn't pick up then we know Charles was shot twice and killed and hours after this happened Lori was interviewed and in the interview I mean, she's being Lori's usual jovial self and seemed very comfortable in there and, you know, telling her stories as she, as she does. She said that Charles was acting weird and he was plotting something and said he goes up, he goes nuts and, uh, you know, works Tylee up. And then she said Tylee came out of her room with a bat and told him to leave her mother alone. It, that's basically a small clip from the entire interview. And they panned to Alex where he was having his own interview and he said he shoved Charles. And then also clips of Tylee were shown, just a little bit again of the interview. And she called Charles a crazy person and she said that Charles grabbed the bat and tried to take it. Tylee fell and he took the bat in his hands. Now they tested the bat, but nothing was ever conclusive that Charles touched the bat. And over a year ago, uh, I think it was a year and a half ago, I started the Charles Vallow series and I ripped the statements apart and showed the uh, discrepancies in that. So again, you'll be able to see that in the uh, description box below or at the end of this video. Also important, in the interview that Alex gave, he said that he didn't know what Charles hit him with in the back of the head. He said he didn't know it was a bat or what it was. And we heard differently. He said bat before and this one he says he wasn't sure. And then he said he went to back to his room, grabbed his gun and he said when he came out I told Charles to put the bat down and Charles started advancing towards him and then he shot him. Now Lori after that took JJ to school, we know that, and they left at 749 and at 754 a.m. Uh, Lori was at Burger King getting breakfast for JJ and she also which was not mentioned on the show went to a Walgreens to buy flip-flops and a victim's advocate was offered to Lori in that interview. Now Dr. John says there was this incredible transformation that occurs in Lori's interview. She essentially convinced the detective that she's a victim. That's an incredible thing to see in 30 minutes. So things quickly didn't add up in that shooting as we know. And Charles was shot twice, but the second shot actually happened while Charles was lying on the ground, even though Alex said that he shot him twice in the chest while standing. 
So he got busted on that one. Also, remember, Lori texted Alex the day before to saying, you know, to stay close. But Alex actually told the authorities that uh, there's no reason why he was there. He just wanted to hang out with the family, you know, and, and do something fun for the day. But there was a discrepancy there. But when Lori was interviewed, Lori said that he stayed because she was worried that Charles would come over and cause trouble. And she wanted Alex there. And of course, we know that the timeline is skewed. Alex said the shooting only happened a few minutes before calling 911, but we know that was a lie. But what they said on the episode was Alex phoned Lori after the shooting, but before Alex called 911, and there wasn't any mention of that uh, in the interviews. And there was a little clip about Nathan Moffitt, who is the detective, and he talked about the ride to the police station, which we knew this, he said this before, but I'm going to quote it again because it's, it's just, it is really weird. He says, the van ride was straight up bizarre for me. It was the weirdest ride I've ever had with, you know, three strangers. A lot was kind of happy-go-lucky and she was kind of smiling. It was just a very, very bizarre ride back. Now, think of Lori's position. She thinks she's a million dollars richer and her angel of death just, you know, did something for her as well. So she's, you know, her tires are pumped right up and Alex is thinking he's just awesome. And then you have Tylee who had a 40 minute ride with Lori to get everything straight, meaning Lori telling her this is what you need to do or else, in my opinion. It shot back to Charles's brothers and they said it felt like something was hit in their chest with a cannonball or something with the gravity of Charles' death. And Keith Morrison says, well, they said it was self-defense. And the brother said, that was not self-defense, that was an ambush. Kay said the same thing. He says, it there was a lot of inconsistencies about that story. They did a little clip about the funeral home call, and I talked about that in a previous video, but Chad pretended to be Charles's nephew and made a phone call to the funeral home and asking about Charles's cremains. He, Chad said that he lived in Iowa and he kept talking about, you know, can you give me a ballpark price for it? And putting those little ball references, which we know in the coded email that Lori sent was also referencing playing ball. And we know the bat was involved. So, you know, then after five days since Charles was killed, Lori decides to pick up the phone and call the insurance company because she thinks she's a million dollars richer, right? So she calls in about her claim for $1 million and said it was an accident, not a homicide. And she says, I'm the beneficiary when the person asks who's the beneficiary, I am. Uh, but we all know that she had a pretty big awakening around that because Charles changed the beneficiary to his sister Kay Woodcock. And then Lori, you know, was having a hissy fit about it and texted Chad about it and said, so I talked to the insurance company. He changed it in March. So it was probably Ned before we got rid of him. It's a spear through my heart. Notice the word we. And here's a new little bombshell. Melanie Pulowski, which we know we've talked quite a bit about Melanie and she's a mini me in my opinion to Lori. She texts Lori a week after Charles' death listen to what she said. She said, you should get a life insurance policy on JJ, Ty Lee, and you. 
because with Charles, we see that anything can always happen or if in the Lord's will. Now, Dr. John goes back and talks about the interviews and the in the episode, it shows Alex first and John says, this is like watching a robot. When somebody ends up dead, that happens to be your brother-in-law of 15 years, right? Like you'd expect some human response, something. Alex was actually cracking jokes in the interview room. And in Tylee's interview, John says she can't sit still. So he talks about the anxiety in there and it's evident in part of that video. And then in the video, Tylee was humming the Moana song, the Disney Moana movie. And Lauren talked about the lyrics and she read them out loud and said, I've been standing on the edge of the water long as I can remember, never really knowing why. I wish I could be the perfect daughter, but I come back to the water no matter how hard I try. And Lauren says, do you want to know how complicated it is to be Lori Vallow's daughter? I think it says it right there. It flashes to Keith Morrison again. And he talks about Chad and I'm grinning like this because it just... Keith has some pretty good lines and it, I'm just a head shaker because I know uh, what this letter entailed, but this is what he says. Something was happening with Chad Daybell and now he became a great lover as he worked the phone like a teenager with FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Chad texts Lori and says, I'm heading to bed so that I can come snuggle tightly against you. I adore you. You are truly my best friend on earth and throughout eternity. Now remember, Chad's still married to Tammy Daybell. And Chad also told Lori that he'd go in his closet at night, aka his portal, to talk to her. And Dr. John says, that's Chad Daybell flexing his muscles for Lori. If Chad Daybell's not a prophet, then he's just an average Joe. And I say exactly that. Chad knew he had to step up his game to be paid attention to by this goddess, right? So in his mind, he can't be the average Joe. What's she going to see in an average Joe? He has to be more, so much more. Because if he doesn't have that, what does he have, right? Now, three days after Charles died, Chad sent two chapters of this spicy story to Lori through text. And it was their story of when they met and after, except with their names changed. So Chad became James and Lori became Elena. And we saw those two names on the, on the Dark and Light rubric. We saw that that was Lori's past life was Elena and Chad was James the Just. 
So let me know if you want to know about those two chapters. Comment below on it. <laughs> it's spicy. But they did give little excerpts in the Dateline show, uh, the very G-rated G ones. Chad starts off talking about his drive to St. George, Utah, or James's ride. And he says, you will meet an extraordinary woman today who will change your life forever. This is the voice he heard. And it talked about that conference, like I said, in St. George. In another excerpt, it says, the feelings were very strong as if they had known each other oh so long. And Chad said that Elena was an exalted goddess and he was obsessed with her body. And he says in, in this quote, their spirits could not be restrained any longer and a long-awaited makeout session took place in that lobby. This was manifest in the mortal world to James and Elena through the scientific phenomenon known as loinfire. This is part of the chapters. I could read in a new video. <laughs> he knew he was in the presence of an exalted goddess who had returned to earth to perform a special mission. She then gave him a tremendous blessing that helped him realize how much she truly loved him and wanted to be with him forever. Now, Dr. John says the love story shows that Chad's grandiosity is increasing. Now, he sent this to Lori three days after Charles died. Two days before Lori made the phone call to the, to the insurance company. And a few days after, Chad phoned the funeral home. So, uh, pretty brutal in my opinion. You're still married to Tammy of 29 years who gave birth to your five children. He's messing around with Lori. Charles dies. Chad's making a phone call to the funeral home, sends her two chapters of these spicy texts. I'm sure Lori's sure grieving, right? It's crazy. So then, a month later in August of 2019, Lori was getting impatient and played hard to get. Surprise, surprise. She texts Chad and says, I'm just a distraction. Go have fun with your family. I really do want you to. I just can't be in the way anymore. If things change, we can talk, but we have nothing until things change anyway. Now, this is Lori's tried and true behavior in manipulating to get what she wants. Her pattern, I like to call it, lie, lie, manipulate, lie. Now, imagine loinfire Chad receiving this text. He'd be freaking out at this text from Lori, right? This goddess is, is telling him basically to flip off until you, you know, take care of things with your family. Then Lori texts someone and says, I got father saying things are moving that I need to get to Idaho by the end of the month. Now we see that. Lori gets rid of JJ's service dog and packs up JJ and Tylee and Lori and they all head to Idaho and they didn't let Colby know where to. Colby just thought they were moving again as they've done tons of moves and just be somewhere safe. So they move at the end of August. And John says that when it comes to Lori and Chad, that there's always a religious component to it, as we know. And he believes that Chad is testing Lori and saying that the ultimate test is for you to sacrifice your kids. Now I wonder, and you could let me know below what you think, if we think about this, I mean, Chad wants Lori all to himself, right? 
He's infatuated with her. He calls her a goddess. She's infatuated with him. And his kids are all grown up. So now you have younger kids. I'm wondering if he's like, meh, don't want to do that because I'm broke as a joke. And uh, I don't want to feed two mouths or he just wants her to herself or he's just, you know, I don't know. Maybe he just likes killing. Could be a variety of reasons. Uh, And side note, Judging from how Tylee and JJ were found and the manner of their death, and if Chad had a bigger role in it, then I wouldn't be surprised if he killed before. Just my opinion. Said this before. Still say it. In the episode, they flashed to Yellowstone Park. They talked about it. They said Alex was over at Lori's house, which we knew, uh, the night Tylee was killed, and Tylee was never seen again. Then a week later, Lori went um, with JJ, and they went to Bear World, And that week, Lori said J.J. became a zombie. Now, imagine, J.J. was on the spectrum. He would thrive in schedule and routine. Now his dad is gone, which Lori didn't tell him that Charles died, just that he was on a business trip. And his dad is gone, and now his sister is gone. And now he's feeling the effects. He's sensing something's going on. And Lori's being not that nice, I'm sure, in my opinion. And now JJ has become a zombie. So how is a mother to treat a child who thinks they're a zombie? That's so, so sad. The day that JJ died, Lori texted Alex, lo and behold, in code. Imagine that. She says, do you have eggs? And Alex says, do you want me to get eggs and bring them to you? Now, Lauren says they talked in code. And I've been saying this since day one, that everything's in code. Some people didn't believe me, but hopefully now they'll believe me. (laughs) She says the street name for Valium or Xanax is eggs. Now, after JJ died, Lori sent a message to the babysitter. She says, JJ's grandparents came this weekend and they took him for a few weeks to give me a break. So he won't be back until probably the end of October. And Dr. John said that he believes this was all premeditation and guesses that before Lori moved to Rexburg, they plotted these deaths beforehand. In the episode, they shot back to Lori's storage unit and they talked about Lori and Chad and how they moved a tire and a folded back seat and they moved that into the storage unit, and Chad touched Lori's butt. Still married, still married. And that same day that they were seen doing that at the storage unit, Brandon Boudreaux was shot at. I also have a video on that. And it was said to be uh, Alex Cox. Now, after I did scripting this yesterday, last night they announced that Chad and Lori have beautiful new charges, and that's conspiracy to uh, kill Brandon Boudreaux and also Alex would have been charged but clearly he's gone so he can't. Now Chad had labeled Brandon a Gadianton which refers back to the Book of Mormon and the Gadiantons were robbers and they are also described as the ancient mafia and Brandon was dark. So we know I call the rubric the hit list because everybody on the list seems to be you know, dying or being shot at. What's a fortunate thing was Colby's wife, 
wasn't killed, but she was rated dark. So, and nothing happened to her. So thank God. But it's almost as if Lori would complain to Chad and Chad be like, eh, I'm going to write that person dark, this person dark, this person dark, this person dark, this person dark. And okay, let's just go down the list and get rid of all of them. Now, I have a video on the secret society and how it talks about it. And it is, it is scary close to what Chad and all, Lori, Alex, everybody involved, it talks about that. It's so close to them being a secret society and talking in code. I'm more sure of it than ever. Now, at the end of October on Halloween night, Alex helped Melanie move to Idaho. She decided to move. She moved right next door to Lori. And in the episode, Melanie was talking to a friend and she said that she's not sure if somebody shot at Brandon or if he did it himself. She said, I believe this was totally fabricated. He tried to plot it on me. And I know that the day that Brandon Boudreaux was shot, Melanie and Brandon early morning did a kid exchange. Like they exchanged the kids. Also, Melanie lied to Melanie Gibb and asked her to go check on the kids at Brandon's old address when she very well knew that Brandon already moved to the new place. Next, they talked about Julie Rowe. And Julie Rowe was told by Chad that Tammy would die and that she would die in a car accident. But Chad said, I wouldn't be surprised if she died in her sleep. And he also said to her, I don't feel like my plan could move forward until Tammy dies or until Tammy is dead. And Chad decides to text Lori, hello, sweet angel, big news about Tammy. Please let me know if you are awake and can talk. I love you. The short version is that she has been switched. Tammy is in limbo and a level three demonic entity is in her body. Then he sent another text, not fully sure of the timing for removal, but I don't want to wait. Then four days after that text on October 9th, Tammy talked on Facebook and she put a post about the paintball gun story where somebody approached her and thought it was a paintball gun, but it misfired and uh, the person ran away. Now what's interesting here is Alex earlier that day texted Lori on a burner phone and said, I'm showing drive time from apartment to Chad is about 10 minutes. And 10 days later, Tammy died in her sleep. Phone records show, and this is a new one, Alex was parked near Tammy and Chad's house that very night. Now, Lori received a text from a friend saying, I'm not sure if you heard, but Chad's wife died last night. Lori says, oh my gosh, I did not hear that. I'm in Hawaii and it's 6 a.m., do you know what happened? And the friend says, yes, she awoke in the night coughing, threw up, collapsed, and passed away. And of course, Chad didn't opt for an autopsy. Then they were married and playing the ukulele on the beach in Kauai and hula dancing on November 5th. But they had the landlord from Hawaii, her name is Jeannie Martin, and she was ad advertising an apartment and Chad wanted the apartment or Chad and Lori and they filled out a rental form and Chad claimed he was making $30,000 per month. Now remember, Chad had a payout on Tammy's death at around $430,000. And he said to Jeannie that he was an author and wanted a peaceful place to write. And Lori 
told Jeannie how Chad is a prophetic guy and he's the person you want to go to if you need anything, you know, and we'll pray for you, all this. And Jeannie says, well, I thought, well, if you say so. And Jeannie then Googled Chad Daybell and texted Chad. She says, I came across the obituary for your real wife, Tammy. I see it was only a few weeks ago. It must have been a horrible shock what happened to her. Chad texts back, it was such a shock. When I woke up that morning, I could clearly see that she had been dead for a couple hours. And at the grave, she talked to me and she told me she's happy on the other side of the veil, helping people like she always does and for me to go on with my life. And Jeannie says, oh, wow, what did the coroner say? What did the autopsy show? And you already knew Lori? And Chad never texted back. Then it flashes back to Melanie Pulowski, or Melanie Boudreaux at the time, in American Fork, Utah. Uncle Alex and Melanie went to Brandon's parents' place in American Fork because Brandon, after the shooting, went into hiding with his kids for fear of his safety, you know, after the attempt was made on his life. So Melanie showed up twice at the place and Brandon's dad phoned the police. And Melanie has papers in her hands saying, you know, I have an agreement and she was complaining that She's worried that the kids aren't safe. It's interesting how she projects very similar like Lori. Police say they're not just gonna remove the kids from the home. And Melanie switches gears and says, do you have a victim's advocate I can speak in the police department, please? And flashback to Lauren from Hidden True Crime podcast. And she says, she keeps saying, get me a victim's advocate, get me a victim's advocate. And I can picture Lori saying this to her because that's what happened to Lori when Charles was killed. I think they know how to play the game. They clearly know how to play the game. And John says, well, she's trying to override the process. She won't let go of it. Authorities at that time noticed that Alex is sitting in the car. He's waiting for Melanie. And remember at this point, Alex shot and killed Charles. Tylee's gone, JJ's gone, and depending on the dates of this, I'd have to double check, Tammy might have been gone at this point as well. I know at the end of October is when Melanie moved to Idaho, but I can't remember now if it was before or just after that they went to American Fork. I'll have to check on that. A lot of dates to remember. So the authorities asked Alex for his ID and he's just kind of, you know, sitting there trying to be cool. And another officer asks Alex, you know, where they're coming from. He says Idaho and that he just moved there. And side note, Chad labeled two of Brandon's kids zombies. Now the authorities initially gave Melanie a ticket for trespassing, but then they upgraded it um, and charged her for domestic violence. And she also entered the garage unlawfully and they arrested her. So she went into the car and just like Lori, she was joking about never being in a cop car before. I call her Lori's mini-me. And Uncle Alex came to her rescue and bailed her out. Now, in the next segment, they talk about Chad giving Alex a patriarchal blessing. Nate says, a patriarchal blessing is a blessing that baptized members of the church go and get from a patriarch or an official that has been called to give these blessings. You get them once in your lifetime. He says, for Chad to consider himself a patriarch and then to give a blessing to Alex could be blasphemous. This is part of what Chad Daybell said to Alex. Alexander Lamar Cox, on this special day, I lay my hands upon your head to give you a patriarchal blessing as a member of the church of the firstborn or which you have earned the privilege to be a member. 
powerful goddesses need to be protected and you were selected to help protect your sister. I bless you with the knowledge that through marriage you will be united with a partner who will match your powers and complement your strengths. In walks Zulema Pastenes. And in the police interview, she said, one of the things that they started saying to me from the beginning was that um, putting me in a position of um, being so special. Now there's more manipulation, right? We heard Melanie Gibbs say the same thing. She said how they made her feel very special. Zulema believed that she could conjure up storms and fires and call up earthquakes at will. And we know she married Alex at the end of November. She talked about Alex and said, he was the kind of person that I could go deep, deep conversation and deep discussions about the scriptures. And I've never been able to do that with anybody, much less someone who was interested in me. And Chad and Lori told Zulema that she needed to marry Alex to complete the mission. And Zulema said, they stated um, saying, you know, Alex will be part of that for you. He will be a supporter that you will need. And law enforcement asked, do you think Alex truly loved you? or was just doing it because Chad and Lori told him to. And Zulema says, I have asked that myself many times. I just had this feeling like, okay, I think that it's time for me to marry him. So Zulema and Alex got married and so did Melanie and Ian Pulowski after I think it was eight, eight days, something like that, eight or 10 days. Now the day after Alex and Zulema's wedding, Zulema said her back was sore from all the traveling and Alex, was apparently a trained massage therapist back in his day, but lost his license 20 years ago in Texas due to sexual misconduct. But he wanted to go to Walmart and get a big piece of plastic so he could give Zulema a massage, and he didn't want the oil on the bed, and Zulema found this weird. Now, law enforcement asked her after she got a massage, was she drugged? And she said she felt drowsy and she was coming in and out of consciousness and she could hear Alex talking and she asked Alex who he was talking to and he said, nobody, myself. And she said it was weird because he said nothing for the rest of the evening. And Zulema said, in my back of my mind, I was thinking who was on the phone with Chad and Lori and she said that was supposed, and she wondered if that was supposed to be her last day. Now I wonder if Zulema had insurance. I can't remember um, if there is something, I know we've questioned it for a long time. I don't know if that's come out or not, but that'll be interesting to know. Now, John questions this. He says, if Alex did intend to kill Zulema, what was the motivation? And he says, you know, because Chad seems to be running the ring. He says, what would Chad want from having Zulema murdered? Now back to Melanie and Ian, we know Ian's ex-wife, Natalie contacted Ian and also Brandon Boudreaux to warn him. And she said to Brandon that Melanie admitted to Ian that her uncle Alex plotted Brandon's murder. But Melanie hasn't been charged and the investigation is still ongoing. Do you think Melanie will be charged? Let me know in the comments below. Now, Alex would later say to Zulema that he was okay killing Charles because he had killed a zombie. But after Alex found out about the authorities going to exhume Tammy, and she was exhumed on December 11th. Alex said he had doubts and said to Zulema, I think I'm being their fall guy. And Zulema says in the interview, the fall guy for what? What is it? Tell me. What is it that they're going to pin on you? What did they do? And he just wouldn't say anything else. The authorities ask Zulema, do you think that Chad and Lori did something to Tammy? And Zulema says, I don't know what to think at the time. She says, I still saw Lori and Chad as very spiritual, kind, loving, charming, law-abiding, God-fearing people. 
And she said, Alex said to Zulema, if anything happens to me, I want you to know there is money in a bag in the closet. It's not much, but it's for you. And Zulema says it's around five to $7,000. And Zulema apparently said to Alex, don't say things like that, Alex. Why would you say something like that? He said, just in case. So Alex Cox died on December 12th. And it was only a few days before Alex died that he told Zulema about the bag. There was a little snippet that Zulema talked about being in the hospital and she said somebody came saying I couldn't touch him anymore, that he was considered a crime scene and that I needed to leave. And as far as we know right now, according to Alex's death, it was blood clots and it was natural. But I am super curious because the day Alex died, Zulema asked Alex if he would make a Christmas basket. We do not know what was in the Christmas basket. I wish that that was uh, addressed. But I was thinking, because earlier, Lori was texting Alex about getting eggs. I wonder if that was also code to getting the Christmas basket ready. Now, it flashes back to Charles's brothers talking about Charles. And one of them says, Alex is probably lucky he died because I'm not an angry or violent person, but I'll tell you what, it probably would have taken me a lot to stop from going to Arizona to pay him a little visit. Now the kids were found on June 9th. Chad was seen fleeing away like he always does. He runs whenever it gets tough. And they were both charged. They're sitting in jail. We all know about this. We're waiting for trial. We'll be finding out soon when Chad's is. Um, on December 2nd, he goes back to court. And Lori, we still don't know because she's, you know, saying she's incompetent. So Nate says about Chad, from what I understand, there will be no plea agreement. Chad Dable does not want a plea agreement unless all of the charges were to be dropped, which we know that's not going to happen. So Chad Dable will take this all the way to the death chamber if that's what it takes in his eyes. Nate says, I think they're going to point the fingers at Alex and Lori, mainly at Alex. And a lot of this new evidence that's come out from the Chandler Police Department shows that Alex did play a fairly significant role in the happening. And Keith says to John Mathias, he says, I'm sure you've heard lots of people suggesting she's just faking it. He says, it's a reasonable assumption. If you look at Lori's history of manipulation and deceitfulness, you certainly have to wonder if she's faking it. Now, Dateline asked Gilbert PD for an interview regarding Charles asking for help, uh, but they declined, but they issued a statement. They said the Gilbert Police Department officers appropriately followed our policies and procedures involving the service of the mental health detainer. Nate says about Chad and Lori, they might still think that none of this really matters in their mind. Oh, he says, okay, give me the death penalty, give me life in prison, Jesus is coming, he's going to save us. That may be their train of thought that no matter what happens, it's all going to be okay because we are going to be reunited and Jesus will return or they could be in for a very big reality check when everything comes crashing down. I've said this over and over, just when we think it doesn't get any more crazier, it does. And there's huge amounts of information that's coming through with all this data dump. I'm going to do my best to keep you updated. It kind of goes in a cycle. We go right into it, then I take a little break, and then we go right into it again. So there are new charges, like I mentioned earlier in this video, against Chad and Lori for Brandon Boudreaux's attempt on his life. Let me know what you think about Melanie's involvement. Melanie Pulowski with Brandon Boudreaux. Please give this video a thumbs up. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already and please share this out where you can. Thank you so much for watching. See you soon. This is the story of The One. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.